0: Welcome to From City to the World. I'm your host, Vince Goudreau, the president of the City College of New York. From City to the World is a show about how the work we're doing at City College matters to people across the city and throughout the world. We'll discuss the practical application of our research in solving real-world issues like poverty and homelessness, mental health challenges, affordable housing, and disparities in health care and immigration rights. On today's show, we're going to air some special audio from an event that we just did on Thursday, April 14th at the Great Hall at the City College of New York. So the event really had two functions. First, it was a tribute to the life and work of the Honorable Charles B. Wrangell long-time, and I mean long-serving, Congressman from Harlem. At the same time, we also inaugurated the Charles B. Wrangell Infrastructure Workforce Initiative. Um, and as you'll hear on, on the recording, this is an initiative designed both to prepare a workforce to manage and build the infrastructure of the future, but also make sure that the workforce working in these good jobs is much more diversified than the current infrastructure workforce is. So a little bit about Congressman Rangel the Honorable Congressman Charles B. Rangel was Harlem's U.S. Congressman from 1970 to 2016 and he's currently the statesman in residence at City College of New York part of the event went through some of the more seminal moments in Congressman Rangel's life but, but he was one of the singular figures for decades in American Congress. At the event, we had a whole range of speakers. Uh, our master of ceremonies was Lloyd Williams, who is the president and CEO of the Greater Harlem Chamber of Commerce, the fabulous Dr. Hazel Dukes, who is president and member of the National Board of the Directors, of the NAACP, that's the New York State President, I was also there, along with many, many other uh, speakers. Congressman uh, Adriano Espiat led us off, and as you'll hear, he has been a real moving force behind this initiative. So without further ado, we're going to bring you to the Great Hall of City College of New York. The date was April 14th, and we were thrilled both to honor Congressman Rangel and to launch the Charles B. Rangel Infrastructure Workforce Initiative at City College. Hope you enjoy the program.
1: Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Great Hall of City College. This is the sacred center of CCNY. And CCNY is itself sacred because it was the place in the United States where we decided 175 years ago that education was for the whole people. And when we... If you believe the Wall Street Journal, I know some of you do and some of you don't, we are the number one best value college in the entire nation this year. So I make a particular point of bringing up the fact of this magnificent room, the Great Hall, because as we say to our students when we bring them in here and we show them the stained glass windows and the marvelous fresco and the the flags that fly and the marble floors and the tall columns, what we say to our students, many of whom come from Harlem, the South Bronx, Washington Heights, Inwood, East New York. We say to our students, look at this place. It is the physical embodiment of the hopes and the plans and the dreams that we have for you. And so it is appropriate for us to gather here with two purposes. And the first, most obvious, joyful purpose is to pay tribute to Congressman Charles B. Rangel. And you will hear about his life and work but what you'll hear from me is how, when he first came to City College in 2016 as our statesman in residence, he sat me down and he said, I've got one more project that I want to do. And this was the beginning of the Trump administration, and he said, It may not be this president, maybe the next one, but somebody is going to set out on the historic patriotic task of rebuilding America's infrastructure. And he said, when they do that, we have to ensure that the workforce that is building infrastructure for our communities looks like our communities. That the opportunities, that's right, we can applaud that. That the opportunities that will be present in that great investment in America's infrastructure will be opportunities for the whole people. Now, he also said, in talking about that. This isn't just a gift to my community. There is no more patriotic thing that we can do at this moment than to make sure the infrastructure of this country is up to the challenges of our future. And so that task of rebuilding our infrastructure and making sure that the workforce that is doing that work is diversified that the people who are building and rebuilding the 2nd Avenue subway, as Congressman Espiat says time and again, looks like the people that live in the area of the 2nd Avenue subway. (laughs) Now, I want to tell you just a little bit, a little bit about what makes the program distinct, and then we're going to get on with the main business of of honoring our congressman. What makes it distinct is once we brought our engineers into the conversation, And I don't know, Congressman, if you and I envisioned this when we talked, they said it's not just that we need a new workforce. We need to start thinking about infrastructure in an entirely different way. The skills of the technicians and the designers of our new infrastructure are not going to be how you run a steam shovel or work a jackhammer. It's going to be how you manage the digital environment. Can you manage artificial intelligence? Do you have the capacity in the moment of crisis in one of our infrastructure pieces of managing that and adjusting to it? And so we need to train a workforce in those digital skills. And if they have those skills, they will be prepared to intern and do apprenticeships in the great developers that are going to be building our infrastructure. And if we build that workforce, then as infrastructure changes, they will be able to change with it. And these jobs will not be dead end jobs where the skills you learn in the the first six months are the skills you're using when you retire. But they will constantly develop and constantly adapt. And we believe that we can take young men and women who maybe don't think they're going to college, maybe they will eventually. We can take people coming out of the prison system or people returning from serving our country in the armed services. We can take people coming out of the foster care service We can work with organizations like ACS and NPower and Union Settlement. And we can prepare those people for jobs, rebuilding the infrastructure of tomorrow. And so that's the vision. Thank you. That was the charge that Congressman Rangel brought to City College. And he said, there is no better place for us to execute that mission than at CCNY. And so I ask you to take a moment and look at the grandeur of this room and know that it's not just for City College students, it is for the people of the city of New York, and that includes the whole people. And when we think about the infrastructure of this city and places beyond this city, the investment that was made 175 years ago in this institution should shine in the faith we have in the future of a diversified, capacitated workforce to do the patriotic work of building our infrastructure. So this is our program. Some of you have already taken a look at the the posters in back that show that work. I know we have people who are working in the great industries, working with infrastructure and development, and we wanna work with you. But now it's my moment to get out of the way, introduce our MC, the President and CEO of the Greater Harlem Chamber of Commerce. I will say my rabbi, Mr. Lloyd Williams. Please welcome him.
2: One of the things about being the MC of programs like this is to move it along. Let me say a couple of uh, brief words. One, uh, to the president of the City College of New York, uh, Honorable Dr. Vincent Boudreaux, about four years ago, uh, the chairman of CUNY, William Thompson, uh, asked that we get together and seek to form a relationship. Uh, And that relationship has grown uh, by leaps and bounds. Uh, And you are an extended family member of mine. And I honor you because of that which you do and your commitment to this community and beyond. Uh, As it relates to uh, some guy by the name of Charles Bernard Wrangel, whoever he might be, I, uh, I am so honored that my Congressman forever has allowed my much, 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 much better half Valerie and I and Val, she's going to get upset, but I'm going to have a stand because that's my girl. Well, where are you? OK, so stand up. Come on. Thank you. OK. Uh, Valerie and I to be so, become so close with Alma and you, Congressman Rangel. We have a, a, a family extension. We have a partnership. We have a love for each other, and Alma is always smiling when she speaks to Valerie and Valerie's smiling when she speaks to Alma. And you're always in the middle trying to break it up. Let me move the agenda and tell you what we're going to do. Uh, There are so many extraordinary people in the room or in the hall this afternoon. We're not going to get to everyone to give you your accolades that you so greatly deserve. Uh, I certainly hope you'll appreciate and understand the sensitivity of time. One of the things that also will take place is you have a, a program in front of you. Uh, and uh, Dr. Boudreaux asked me to MC the program because he knew that, well, Lloyd could make those changes and adjustments. And if people get upset, uh, they could get upset with Lloyd. Uh, And I accept that responsibility. I've learned that from Bozer Rivers. We need to uh, learn how to deal with those things. So without further ado, uh, let me introduce uh, the next speaker. I uh, pledged to this gentleman a few years ago when he won the Democratic primary to be our congressman for the 13th District, that I would support him and be with him moving forward. And it has been an honor to do so, sir. Uh, Let me introduce my friend, first and foremost, and my congressman, Congressman Espiot. Without further ado.
3: Thank you, Lloyd. Uh, Thank you, City College President Baudreau. Thank you, Congressman Rangel. Thank you, um, Assemblywoman Dickens, our great CUNY leader, uh, Bill Thompson, who put the first half a million dollars on the table for this particular project. We want to be grateful to that for you um, and your work. And thank you all for being here. This is, uh, in many ways, uh, a bigger than life project, but also a very practical one. Why? Well, I remember when this first phase of the Second Avenue subway was built, state of the art, many people thought you can't build a subway again in New York City. It was built going south from 96th Street through the seal stocking district, some of the wealthiest zip codes in the country. And so that project was an amazing project, but they didn't pay uh, as much attention as we would to the job creation part of it, because it went through some of the wealthiest zip codes in the country. As we approached the second phase and just two weeks ago, President Biden uh, Allotted in the in the presidential budget, 400 million dollars to kickstart the second phase of the Second Avenue subway and to push it into the engineering stage, which is basically a fiscal commitment that we're going to go ahead with this. Connecting, I say, Harlem to the world. Why? It's not just a, a local project. It's not just a wonderful project similar to the first phase is going to connect 125th Street to Metro North, to counties outside of New York City. In fact, outside of New York State, Metro North goes into Connecticut, is going to connect that hub, which many call Uptown Grand Central, to LaGuardia Airport, and therefore to the rest of the world, is going to connect 125th Street to future water transportation, both on the west side Hudson River and in the Harlem River is really a regional and international project. And so I was very excited about that project. That's the kind of stuff I like to work with. And we fought very hard to get the $400 million and get the money in. Remember, during the pandemic, we had to fund the MTA. Ridership was all the way down. They run on a ridership formula. We had to provide the funds for the MTA so the state would not raid the bucket of funding that has been laid aside for the Second Avenue subway, which is half the funding. And so this is an exciting project, right? But the most important part of it, and it would not be successful unless we provide jobs for our people. Different than the first phase. So here comes Congressman Rangel the line of Lenox Avenue. And he has this idea. He says, you know, it's like the Manhattan Institute with a little more flavor to it. But it's something that should make us all proud and it should be a national model for transportation infrastructure. We already did that bill over a trillion dollars. It's coming into America for road, bridges, tunnels, 5G, broadband, everything you can imagine could be built with a trillion dollars. Yes, with a capital T. And he says, well, this is the right time to build a center, an institute, a center of learning, of advanced learning that we can all feel proud of, that will train our young people for this high-state, high-tech, prevailing wage jobs that will lift families to the middle class. And so, so here we are. There's uh, already uh, uh, $1.5 million from from the House. The governor has committed another $1.5 and our president, Baudrill, just informed us that we can count on another $4 million for the equipment and the technology for the center. So we're talking about really $7.5 million already, Congressman Rangel, because of you, because of your vision. And so we went through the modulars there with the young people, the young engineers and architects that that showed us what they're going to do. Very impressive stuff. We already know what the job classifications are for the second phase of the second avenue. So what because we have the template for the first phase. We just got to train the young people to be ready at the starting line when the gun goes off and the race takes off. If they're not there, they will not get the jobs. But it's been because of the vision and the commitment of Congressman Charles B. Rangel that we're here today. And this center of learning bears his name. So I want to warn you all that that's personal to me. It has his name. And it should be personal to each and every one of you to make sure that this is successful and that we can make this a model for the rest of the country, if not the world. There is no reason why the private sector should not be kicking down the door to partner with City College There is no reason why academia, other places want a partnership with City College. There is no reason why the labor unions that must be our partners in this endeavor are now kicking down the door for the success of this project. So we still got a lot of work to do. And I want to thank all of you for being here tonight. But most, mostly and most importantly, I want to thank the congressman. I know this is important to him. It's probably the most important project of his life, but it's personal to me, as is personal to all of you. And so let's make it a success. Thank you, President Baudrill. God bless you and keep the faith.
2: Let's move the uh, agenda. Uh, He has had so many important and prestigious titles in the public and private sector, but nothing more important than his title now as Chairman of the City University of New York for what that means for our city and for the future, the Honorable William Thompson.
4: Thank you so much, Lloyd, uh, for the very kind introduction and good evening, everybody. This is a great evening. I just have to start with that. It's, this is the energy, the feeling, the people in the room. I mean, anytime I'm in a room with Hazel Dukes on one side, Inez on the other, I know I'm in the right place. I know I'm in the right place. Statesman in residence. Now, that's a great title. Statesman in residence after Charlie Rangel left Congress, what to do, where am I going to, I've got papers, I've got this, I've got so many things. His idea, I'd like to do something with City College. I want to do something with City College because of what the institution means to the community, to the Harlem community, to the city, the state and the world. Now, there are things that people ask and mention that are easy. So you're like, you want to affiliate with CUNY? Well, how fast can we get that done? How many times can we say yes? We realize how lucky we are because Charlie could have gone any place and done anything, but he chose us. He chose City College. He chose the CUNY system. So we are honored. We are fortunate. We're thrilled to have him as statesman in residence But in following up on what Congressman Esfayyat talked about, this and this announcement this evening, this Charles B. Rangel Infrastructure Workforce Initiative, it bears his name for a reason, because it was his vision, his idea. Now, there are those who will believe that when you leave elective office, that somehow you can't be effective. Charlie Wrangell has spent a lifetime. I see Governor Patterson, his former Governor Patterson, is always a pleasure. Governor? Charlie Wrangell spent a lifetime in elective office standing up and fighting for what he believed in, standing up with certain core principles certain beliefs making sure that he fought for those who couldn't fight for themselves making sure that people had opportunity who wouldn't have had that opportunity he spent a lifetime doing that state legislature in congress where he's a legend still is but when he finished his principles and beliefs didn't end there if anything Charlie doubled his efforts. Now, I will tell you, I remember he came and spoke to me. And by the way, Congressman, the chancellor, Felix Montos Rodriguez, who was going to be here, was feeling a little under the weather. He asked me to send his regrets at not being here. But Charlie reached out and said, I have an idea. I want to talk to you, Bill. Charlie says he wants to talk to you. He's talking to you as many times, as often, and wherever he'd like. And then he and the chancellor and I had a sit down, and Charlie talked about his vision. And then he came back with the congressman, who talked about their vision. Charlie's vision, congressman is a thousand percent behind it. And I will tell you, Charlie Rango never backed off. You ever seen those commercials or cartoons? You open the door and the guy's, the person's there. You close the door. You go some other place. You open another, there, there again. Charlie Rangel stayed on it. I got calls from every place. Charlie Rangel and, and, and Congressman out are meeting with the governor. Charlie Rangel's meeting with this person. Charlie Rangel has a vision. It's something, his core beliefs, and he's not backing up. And we were like... We're working, we're trying to find the money. Things weren't quite as good as they are right now. But we found the initial dollars. Charlie and Congressman Espion got the rest. Got the rest of the money. But make no mistake, none of this would have happened. None of this would have happened without the vision, the principles, the core beliefs of Charles Rangel. This is his vision, creating the opportunity for people to move into the middle class, to get the training, to move into the middle class, to be able to take care of their families, to be able to live in this city, to be able to live a middle class life. That's what it's always been about. That's his vision. That's who he has been. That's who he is now. In Congress, here at City College, Charlie Rangel's pursued his core beliefs so, Congressman, I just have to let you know, and I'm just gonna say, and I rarely would do this, thank you. Thank you for believing in City College. Thank you for believing in CUNY. Thank you for believing in our, in our communities. And thank you for never changing and never backing down. Thank you for being the person that you've always been for your entire lifetime, person who fights for what's right. So again, this is a great evening. I'm thrilled. Congressman, thank you for being you. Have a great evening.
2: People that you have to give their resume when you introduce them, and they used to be, and they're the former, and they're also, and in addition to that, they sit on this board, and they, There are people like that. And then there are people that you simply say, Hazel Dukes. Mm -hmm. The Queen Bee, Hazel Dukes.
5: Good evening. Several years Ago, Lloyd Williams and Congressman Rangel called us together at Sirius. And Bill Thompson was bringing this man around who wanted to become the president of City College. And I have a woman here who uh, is Arva Rice in the house. Where are you, Arva? She was here. Stand up, Arva. When I need somebody to be calm when they call for the women to come in a room, is our Rice. And Lord decided, this Lord Williams, my brother, decided that we would interview the president of City College. And Jeff Eden, by the way, was a part of that. And so Arba said she would host us. This was the nonprofit the groups that uh, the chairman, Thompson, wanted us to uh, be together and we come back and make our report. And so we had our meeting with him and we grilled him and we asked a lot of questions about this historical place. One hundred and seventy five years and i not been. Congressman Rangel was waiting to hear the report from us. And so we met back at Sirius, and we all made our report. And Mr. President, let me tell you, you have lived up to the report that we made. Now there used to be a gang that they said it was a gang of four. The late Percy son, Basil Patterson. And Charlie Rangel. And who else was in that group? And Dave Jenkins. They didn't know it was a gang of five because they made me the secretary. <laughs> and so I had to be in all the meetings because I had to take the record. And so I got to love these four guys. And that's just the two of us. And when he came up with this project, I said, this guy is wiser than his time. Because this is what we need. Everyone is not going to college. And everyone don't need to go to college. We need people to come and build our communities. And so this great congressman, came up with an idea like he is always Kid Knuckles. you know, whenever we are called in, he's got something to say. It's not chitty chat. It's about business. He chitty chats sometime, but most of the time it's about solid business. And so he came to us about his vision and this what he thought we needed to do. I serve on Community Board 10. I think our managers here. Where are you? We fought like hell, too. We said, how dare you to build a subway and leave Harlem out? And so the mayor, the governor now, Kathy Hochul. That was the first thing I was to say to her, Lord, That if. She wanted to be governor. She had to buy in to this project. And so I was the messenger. I said it looking her dead in her eye. (laughs) That we had the Charles B. Rangel project. For City College. And what would she be able? No, no, not not be able. What would she do? Because that was the message that Lloyd told me I had to carry. (laughs) And so I took the message. So tonight as chairman Thompson said, what a great night. You know, I just celebrated my milestone. 90 years. And so we're here to see what the line of Lennox Avenue will have for the future children. It's not about us, Charlie. We don't want anything. God has given us all we need. He only, only promised to us four scores and seven. He's been more than good to us. And so everything we do today and tomorrow is for the next generation, for our children's children. And so tonight it is a wonderful night that we come to say the Charles B. Wrangell infrastructure that children will not go to the prison, but they will go to the jobs. God bless you, brother.
2: Uh, Let me uh, move the program in this manner. What's up, West Point? Stand up, West Point. Stand up. Give him a hand. Give him a hand. Okay. Uh, West Point came uh, with the encouragement of John Graham, uh, managing partner of Wynn, uh, because they wanted to salute a hero, an American hero, a Bronze Star, Purple Heart winner. I mean, can you imagine that's all the line of Lenox Avenue? West Point, stand back up so we give you a hand. Thank you for being with us, young people. Uh, I, I say this, I get emotional sometimes when I say this. Do you know how God has blessed us to have Hazel Dukes in our life? Can you believe she's 90 years old? Can anybody believe that? And and acting with the NAACP and what's happening at City Hall and what's happening with the community board and what's happening with the electeds and what's going on, uh, Queen B. Hazel, thank you for all you do. Uh, I don't know where we would be without you. Okay, I'm moving the program now. And so here's what I'm going to do. This is why Dr. Boudreaux asked me to MC. He said, "Well, who can?" do this and not get people uptight, Uh, send Lloyd. Uh, And so here's what I'm doing. I am asking the following, and I'll remind you, in uh, this particular order, if you would, to come up and share some remarks with us. I'm asking the New York County District Attorney, Honorable Alvin Bragg, to come up. Okay, Alvin, please come up. And here's how I'll do it I'll get them all up, and then we won't have to. And I'm going to ask uh, the most incredible borough president we've ever had in the history of the borough of Manhattan, who is now in the city council, the Honorable Gail Brewer, to come up. We have a new state senator uh, in our Harlem community. And uh, all I will say with all of the concerns and issues that we have in Harlem, you name it, crime, gentrification, uh, health crisis, all of those things, God always sends the right person at the right time. So he sent us Cordell Clear to be our state senator. And you cannot talk about Charles B. Rangel. Any of us know this. You cannot talk about Charles B. Rangel without recognizing and thanking the person who has helped him, held his hands, been his supporter, been his advocate, been his co-leader. For those of us who don't know her, We call her Inez E. Dickens. For the family, she's Betty, uh, Betty Dickens. Betty, if you'd come to the forefront. And then the last person I'm going to call uh, prior to a a very extraordinary brief film that you will want to see uh, is our former state senator, our former lieutenant governor, our former governor, but most importantly, our friend and our associate, uh, Mr. David Alexander Patterson. I always get the Alexander in there, okay? So uh, in that order.
6: Thank you, Mr. Williams. I'm also, thankful for letting me go first because all this wisdom that's going to come after me, I'm glad I get to go first. I'm humbled. It is so uh, rare that you get to salute someone you've looked up to your entire life. Uh, So indulge me and pardon me. Uh, And then to do that side by side with others I've looked up to. Uh, So I will just say this, Uh, I'm 48 years old and for all 48 of those years, I've looked up to you. Uh, I can remember my parents as I was growing up uh, talking about the many things you were doing in our community. I remember the empowerment zone. I think there's a straight line between the empowerment zone and this work you're doing now Um, as district attorney. I think about how that work is connected to public safety, right, jobs. That's public safety work. Uh, And it has been really a joy and a privilege in particular the last couple of years to get to know you. I'm just going to talk about the first time I heard you speak publicly, and I don't know if you remember, Mr. Congress member, it was Judge Bell's funeral. Uh, And some of you may remember uh, our former Supreme Court judge and you eulogized him uh, and you talked about your public service and his public service and your journey together. And I remember I was about three years out of law school and I sat there and I was so inspired. Uh, So to then fast forward uh, and three years ago or so get to talk to you. Uh, learn directly from you, be mentored by you and get your wisdom directly uh, has been a blessing. Uh, So thank you, Mr. Williams, for letting me speak. Uh, Forgive me for uh, uh, skipping protocol and not acknowledging everyone, but I wanted to speak directly uh, to our honoree and thank him so much for all he's done for me personally and for the greater Harlem community and our country. Thank you, Mr. Congressman.
7: So I am uh, Gail Brewer, and I thank Lloyd Williams, and it is an honor like none other to be here tonight. I have never seen anybody in my life give a speech, give remarks, be in the presence like Congressman Rangel. Every single time he greets us, even if it's the smallest event or if it's at the White House, He is more brilliant and articulate than everybody else in the room. It doesn't matter what the venue. And to be here tonight, to know that, sir, and I know you are a dog with a bone when you decide you want to do something. And to have this be your legacy for New York is just one more example of how great you are. And I'm so happy also, as somebody who's tried to fund CUNY over the years, who's been an advocate on the different committees. I'm so glad (laughs) that you picked City College. And so I'm just here like everybody else, literally in awe of your history, but also just so proud to be in the room when something so great as workforce development with CUNY students, also with the city population is at the forefront. It's not surprising that you would think, but the fact that it is happening with your blessing and your presence, we're all beyond honored. This evening will never, ever be forgotten. Thank you very much.
8: Good evening, family. Unlike our esteemed MC, the Honorable Lloyd Williams, who without glasses, was able to look out in the audience and call everyone's name. I am going to take what a Baptist minister would say. Protocol has been established. I want to first on behalf of my colleague, and it's so good to have another another strong black woman standing beside me in the legislature, Senator Cordell Clare, we're in the middle of election re-election time. And she has an interview and a debate to do this evening, and she stayed as long as she could. But she has a letter that she left for you, Congressman Wrangle. As you are honored, I won't read the whole thing, but as you are honored on this beautiful spring evening by the Office of Veterans Affairs and the City College of New York, who are announcing the inauguration of the Charles B. Wrangell Infrastructure Workforce Initiative. It is my incredible honor to convey my appreciation of your lifetime of dogged and unyielding representation combined with high minded statesmanship. She goes on to say, you have always tended to your roots and we are blessed to still have you as our leader during your retirement years from active elected public service duty. We will never forget your authorship of so many policies on housing, community development, and workforce development. Just always know that you are profoundly appreciated for your continued commitment to our community and to this nation. Please feel free to call me at any time that I may be of a partnership to you in your amazing mission forward. Respectfully, Cordell Clear. Now that I've done my duty, Hazel, I'm going to do what is personal to me. I have been Congressman Rangel's female leader for several years. Didn't say how many y'all just said several. We've come to know each other as friends, as family. We look after one another, both politically, emotionally and personally. When one of us is down, both of us are down. When one of us is up, we're both up. I can depend upon hearing the truth from him, President Boudreau, because I can call on him And he's going to tell me whether I'm going in the right direction. And he sure as hell will tell me when I'm going in the wrong direction. I've come to love this man. I've known him most of my life, Mike Garner. I don't even remember not having him in my life. That's how long I've known him. And as a result, over the years, we've gotten closer. I love him very, very much. I love Alma. If he calls me. I'm going to be there. When I need a car to take us both there, I'm going to call Lonnie Davis. (laughs) 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 But Lloyd Lloyd knows how I feel about this man. And I remember In his final years in the House of Representatives, he started arguing about he wanted a workforce development and he wanted it in this house. Bill Thompson, he wanted it here. He wanted it in City College. He wanted it in the people's college in the college that took in everyone, regardless of color and creed, regardless of religion. He wanted it here. And finally, thanks to Congressman Adriana Espiot, thanks to our chairman, Bill Thompson, thanks to the leadership and the initial investment of Congressman Wrangel, and thanks to the tenacious spirit of President Dro, who said, We're not gonna stop getting this through, even though there were many who said no. This president said, oh, yes, we're going to have that. That's what he said. (laughs) President, thank you. Thank you very much. Congressman. I will always be there for you. I take you everywhere you want to go and we go together. We're ride or dies. And I love you. (laughs) Thank you all. Thank you for supporting this man. Thank you for standing by him. Thank you for recognizing him for what he's done. Thank you for not turning your back on him. And thank you once again, even in retirement, to realize that he has not stopped fighting the political, the emotional, and the economic fight for the people of this village of Harlem and this great city. Thank you so much. Wonderful.
9: Congressman Rangel, Congressman Espaillat, Chairman Thompson, convener Lloyd Williams, on this inaugural moment for this infrastructure and workforce initiative this description comes to my mind tell me if you think it fits dynamic articulate perceptive courageous outspoken now that i've described myself i think i'll say something about congress and rangel What I learned early on about Congressman Wrangel is that he fears no issue and no person. This community at one point was direly needing a reinfusion of leadership. Without any disrespect to anyone who was leading at the time, we in Harlem needed this. And in 1970, Congressman Wrangel took a bold step. He went against a lot of the leadership that existed. He went against a lot of the people who lived here. He went against a lot of the advice that he received, and he ran for Congress. And on June 23rd, uh, 1970, he won the nomination to be the Democratic candidate for Congress right here, and what at the time was the 16th Congressional District. That same energy and that same determination allowed him to stand up to what was at the time a very difficult situation in Congress because of the predominance of the other party and the president, Richard M. Nixon. But he stood up to him as well. Throughout the decades, he has taken first steps down new roads sometimes armed with nothing but his own truth and his own values. And what he has brought to this community is an entirely new vision, an entirely new set of opportunities culminating with what he has done here at City College. So we all thank you for this, Congressman, and we all are here not only for you, but for all of those who aren't here yet who are going to benefit from the programs that you're installing right here at Silly College. Even President Obama was not immune when he took us into Libya with the truth spoken to power by Congressman Charles Rangel because he didn't think that was the right thing to do. And it turned out he was right. So on this inaugural moment, I think we should all not only remember that we were here, but that most of us who are here tonight were somehow a part of it, because with all of the Congressman's willingness to take on difficult issues, he never did so without consulting this community and the leaders of that community and that's why we honor you so ably here this evening.
2: And so we move the program on. Uh, if you will indulge us, there's a very special uh, film tribute to Congressman Wrangel uh, that I'm sure you will enjoy. And following that tribute, we will hear from the man himself. Uh, so we'll start with the film tribute.
8: I don't remember ever not knowing a Charlie Rangel.
2: Charles Rangel will tell you that when he became a big shot, he moved up from 132nd Street to 135th Street.
1: He spent his whole career fighting for justice, you know, in the halls of Congress across this nation. But he was always a son of Harlem.
5: He loves his Harlem community. He loves this state. And most of all, he loves this country.
0: He always remembered where he came from. He always had that down-to-earth sense of fun and humility and caring for other people.
10: He represented his district with enthusiasm, passion,
2: and dignity, earning the nickname, the Lion of Lenox Avenue.
5: The Lion of Lenox Avenue. Lion Lion of Lenox Avenue. The Lion of Lenox
1: Avenue. The Lion of Lenox Avenue.
6: Could you describe your childhood
10: to me in Harlem and what was it like growing up? I can and I will, but it will be as though you are interviewing two different people. I was raised in an environment that, unfortunately, education was not a priority. I did not know anyone that had gone to a college. At that time, in 1948, President Truman declared the draft And so I joined for one year.
2: The invasion of the Republic of Korea was a direct challenge to the principles of the United Nations.
10: In June of 1950, we got an announcement that our division was going to go to Korea. As soon as we landed, and I saw the bodies of dead soldiers, especially soldiers that looked like me, I knew then that this was going to be war. The Chinese had completely surrounded us for fear that General MacArthur was going to cross the Yellow River into Manchuria. It was a nightmare in which I received a a lot of medals. I was shot and left for dead, and I survived, and I haven't had a bad day since. I got back to the United States and went to seek employment, and one thing I'd forgotten was I was still a black kid and a high school dropout. And I went to the VA and I said, I don't know what I need, but I need some help. They gave me an aptitude test and said that I should be undertaker or electrician. And all I could is here we go again. After raising enough hell, a guy named John Beccatoris, who was in charge, says, just what the hell do you want? And so I just said, I want to be a lawyer. I had no idea that you had to go to school that long. And that was really the turning point in my whole life.
2: We say he is a graduate of UCLA, and that is the University of the corner of Lennox Avenue.
10: Alma, she has been a true partner and it's totally unbelievable how she learned about politics without me giving her a lesson. And she took money of the rough edges off of me so that I could talk to people
2: and they would understand. So, Raggle, eating a hot dog, walking the streets, you look like a man who's still campaigning. Nah. His becoming Congressman was really a fluke. He will tell you that and didn't never expect to win, he expected the next day he would be back at work. I meant. A lot of people lost money on this right. election. <laughs> <laughs> I
10: won the election by just 500 votes more than Adam Powell. And I would always say, and I say today, Adam Powell beat Adam Powell.
2: One of the big um, uh, criticisms against Adam Clayton Powell was that he didn't really represent Harlem, that he spent his time elsewhere. Yeah, uh... What, what, is, what are
10: you going to
9: do in that respect?
10: Spend my time in Harlem and in Washington. Mm-hmm. There were nine black members of Congress. Adam Powell was so big, no one even knew there were nine members there.
2: Just as surely as you're proud to be white, we're proud
5: to be black. Black is beautiful, baby.
6: There was no road when Charlie first got elected. It was still filled with sticks and
8: ditches. They didn't have a lot of members, and that's why they formed a a caucus.
5: Congressman Ringo was one of the founding members of the Congressional Black Caucus.
10: I shared with them what we had been able to do in New York State by sticking together for things that we truly believed in, and we had exploded our legislative power beyond one
2: to the group. Charles Rangel is one of the last surviving founders of the group. Rangel, Shirley Chisholm, Charles Diggs, and the other original members quickly met resistance when former President Nixon refused to meet with them. It was abundantly clear
10: that he did not intend to meet. We then said that we would not attend the State of the Union message.
2: After boycotting Nixon's address,
5: they finally got the meeting, putting the CBC on the map and opening the halls of
6: power. Charles Rangel paved the way for individuals like me and the 58 members of the Congressional Black Caucus that exist today. I believe that
10: it's a responsibility for all of us to have a little Martin Luther King in us, to have a
2: little bit I'm ready to fight for what is the right thing. When you think about
6: the injustices that were taking place internationally, like apartheid in South Africa, it was Charlie Rangel who fought to end apartheid.
10: Nobody was concerned about Africa. And so I was able to get attached to a bill with Ronald Reagan's support. The fact that if you were in business in South Africa, you could not deduct any taxes that you paid to the racist government of south africa it contributed toward nelson mandela becoming president the people want someone that loves them loves their family that can take care of them and has a record of doing that and this is too serious to send an amateur to washington we got work to do in washington and we're going to do it
8: For committee, and just to be a member of it is important. He became the chair of Ways and Means. That meant to Black people across America,
10: they were very proud. I was able to pass more laws than any member of Congress on Ways and Means.
0: Charlie always fought for the low-income housing tax credit because he knew that the people of his community and the people of the country needed housing.
5: We looked at the budget to make sure that all of the things that we needed to continue to climb the ladder of success was included in budget. And the respect on both sides. you got to remember, Congressman Ranger had respect of Republicans. Every time he spoke in
10: Congress, we, our eyes would just light up. He's for equity. He's for advantage, for, for the disadvantaged. and and he's for the growth of America and the American ideal.
3: Once I got elected, uh, you know, I said the first thing I got to do is I got to work with this man because he's going to bring so much to the table. And uh, we started working on this particular project, which is with uh, City College, and it's the Charles B. Rangel Institute for Transportation and Infrastructure. Adriano Sbr made it clear
10: that he didn't want to be just a new congressman, that he wanted continuity for our constituents, because for the most part, it's what are you doing, not who did you beat or who did you succeed, and we thought it was in our community's best interest to work on this issue.
7: He has done so much to improve the lives of our people in New York, and that's why Congressman Rangel has always understood the importance of improving the state's infrastructure. Because, like me, he believes that infrastructure isn't just about building roads and bridges or improving public transit. It's about building connections.
5: The Charles B. infrastructure Program here at City is so important for our community. When I was growing up, for me, an African American to be respected was to be a teacher, a postman, or work on the railroad as a pullman porter. But now the infrastructure program will speak to the evolution of what America is going to be.
1: To have him Walking the halls of Shepherd Hall, our most historic building, an example to our students, an indication of of what they can aspire to, what they can be. It cements in some ways our identity as an institution that's committed to, to upward mobility.
5: Charlie has climbed the ladder and he is now preparing and making sure
8: that the doors will never close but will be open forever. He's talking about the education of young people, of teaching them what what is available out there, what they can do, and actually paving a way to show them you can learn this, here it is, we're giving you this, and this is something that can lead to a, a financial windfall for you. Most people have a
3: local vision, but his vision was this could be the model for the rest of the
10: country. I'm just so excited that this is just beginning and that this train's not leaving this time without us. The only thing that made me different was the GI Bill because I went to Korea. And the GI Bill opened up opportunities for me. What am I to do with those opportunities except
3: to help people? That's been my whole life. Helping people. Congressman Wrangell, thank you so much for everything you've
2: done, not just for Harlem, but for the rest of the district and the Harlems of the world. If you're not around greatness, it's going to be very hard for you to become great. And Charlie Wrangell has allowed me to be around him, and that's truly greatness. And I thank you so much.
8: Congressman Wrangell, I thank you for what you put into me, what you poured into me to make me the person that I am today.
7: We all owe Congressman Wrangel a debt of gratitude for his lifelong commitment to pushing the state and our country forward. He has led an incredible and extraordinary life, and I am so honored to call him a mentor and a friend. God bless you, Charlie.
0: Charlie, thank you, thank you, thank you for everything you've done on behalf of Harlem, on behalf of New York City on behalf of our nation. And thank you for what you've done for Chuck Schumer. He's a great friend, a great legislator, and a great American
2: whose shoulders
0: we stand on.
2: Thank you, Charles B. Wright.
10: As a New Yorker, I'm thankful to him for being a representative from New York
8: and letting people see how great New York City is. My brother, my confidant, we are grateful for your life
5: and for those that you have touched most of all for us in Harlem. Thank you for representing us so well.
1: Congressman Rangel, it has been the honor of my life to work with you on this project. I want to thank you for everything you're doing for City College, for the community around City College, and everything you've done for our nation. Thank you.
10: I'm 91 and I ain't thinking about having a bad day now.
2: Uh, uh, President uh, Boudreau uh, said, "When this documentary film was done, it had to be done on the highest level." I'm going to ask everyone to sit down, so I can ask a couple of people to stand up. The uh, persons uh, responsible for this extraordinary film please do stand up we want to recognize you come stand up job well done thank you let me mention that this film will be in the archives of course of the City College of New York Schomburg Center for Research in Black Culture of course in the archives of the Greater Harlem Chamber of Commerce, which, by the way, this year is celebrating its 125th anniversary. Uh, I would invite you to reach out uh, to uh, President Boudreaux's office because many of you will wish to get copies of this to show to generations of today and generations to come, okay? So without further ado, what else is there to say, except the line of Lenox Avenue?
10: I'm going to uh, tell you what they said that Elizabeth Taylor told her ninth husband. I won't keep you long. This has uh, been a very, very exciting evening for me. I hope that it's not just because I've been involved in these accomplishments, because I don't think that there have been many people that have been able to say that they spent their entire life in the government, in politics, in legislation, and never had a bad day. Having said that, God is good. We have to move on and briefly say, Where do we go from here? And the reason is so important that I share this with you and it be a constant theme for us as a people is because what has happened to Africans that have been brought to this country has never ever happened to the degree and the sophistication in which it happened in this great country of ours and you might Think that there was something that just sparked me to get an education. But quite frankly, when I see the lives of the young people being taken in inner cities throughout our country, something was taken away from us that We have to fight to get it back. When I was 18, 19 uh, years old, and they told me that I was going to be trained to fight and kill people who I didn't know who the hell they were or what country I was going. I, I had no clue as to what combat was. And quite frankly, I got so many medals just for surviving that I kind of told God whatever I had planned or whatever I prayed for count me in because I prayed in English and tongues and Latin just to get the hell out of that thing when I came home no one here could possibly believe how big my 22 old head was in terms of the weight of the medals and the money in my pocket. And looking good on Lennox Avenue. I really thought I was somebody. And when the time of my expiration to reenlist expired, And I went to apply for a job. I found out. I was a dropout. A black kid, no one knew, no one cared uh, from Lenox Avenue. The essence of the story is that it has to take different things. To inspire different people. But here I am thinking I'm somebody discharged from the service, thinking I was somebody right back in the garment center, pulling a hand truck. It wasn't heavy, but it was awkward. It slipped out of my hand in the rain. Boxes fell all over 36th Street and Sixth Avenue. And a big white Irish cop cursed me out and told me to get those boxes off the goddamn street. Because I was screwing up traffic. I don't remember the last time anybody talked that way. I could not believe it. And I trogged in the rain. And I went to the Veterans Administration. And all I said was, I need help. I wasn't talking about going to high school, college, law school, all I knew. There was something wrong with this system. that allowed me to be willing to die for a cause that I never understood and then come back and face in this country the racism because of my color. And when I was stunned by it, people never realized, who am I going to get angry with? I was born and raised in Alder. You know, white folks ever bothered me. I was in a black outfit. There were no races in the outfit during war. But when I came home and saw the hatred in the hearts and minds of people who just didn't like people who look like me. It was then that I realized that we have a whole lot of work to do. To sum this thing up, I need some help. And I'm certainly the president's going to help me. In trying to find out. How can a group of people. Import strong black men and women over here. Have them. Have the larger number and strength. And at the same time. To be able to convince them not for decades, but for centuries. That they are truly inferior. And I'm not talking about. Reconstruction. I'm talking about tonight. I'm talking about Donald Trump. I'm talking about. All of these people that came from under the rocks on November the sixth hated me. And the reason for it was because a part of their training was. That they were somehow, for some reason. Superior. And if you are trained that way. From what I can understand you can develop a sense of superiority that functions by the same way if you constantly remind somebody that they're nobody. (laughs) They can constantly think that they are. I really, truly believe, Mr. President, that our great country is closer to a civil war than we would want to believe. For one reason, it's not the hatred and the bitterness. It's the fact that we never wanted to talk about the depth of the indoctrination that has taken place in the United States and in many parts of the world. And the only thing that I could find that I can make a contribution to somebody is education. I really, truly believe that if you take a dumb kid from Lenox Avenue and knock him around with a little education, a little ego building, a little overconfidence, And have him to think that he's somebody. It's worked for me for almost 92 years. So if you know that there's no other country in the world that you want to go to, if you're just angry because somebody beat you to it and started generations ago, not talking about who you were going to be. But just say, you just ain't nobody. You have no name. You have no human instincts. There is no Jesus for you. There is no culture for you. And that whatever we say you are, that's what you are going to be, for now, and for generations to come. And if someone tells you that that's what America's all about, but on the other hand, America is having a very, very serious national security problem, that Chinese and Russians and people of color are concerned that we're not moving as fast as we can in infrastructure, that we're so far ahead so early, but we never kept up and we fall behind, and that whether we like it or not, we're gonna have to rebuild the United States of America, and it's going to take every damn body to do it, because now, if we don't do it as the United States, We cannot do it at all. And you don't have to be good to understand. That sooner or later, Mr. President, we discussed the fact that infrastructure had to be dealt with or America was going to crumble. And damn it. The ship is in. The shift is. I leave it to the reverence and the other people to work out the love part of it so we can like each other, love each other and do what makes you feel comfortable. But to be able to know that you have dignity and you're somebody and you are needed in this country. Let me first say you have to go where the reputation goes beyond you being a high school dropout no matter what you become. But being the president of the City College of New York, the gym for the university. Mr. President, hey, you don't even have to be right. You just have to stand up and say, when that train gets here, let's have a stop right here in Harlem. And my wife, who has truly been a partner to me, keeps saying, Charlie, uh, didn't you retire? What the what are you doing? I mean. We're supposed to be doing things. But I tell you this. I could not ask Congressman Espiont for any more faith, understanding, investment, emotional belief and an idea than what he has given to this institution. And believe me. He was putting it on the line and taking a gamble. For them to be able to convince the chancellor. You have to do better than draw poker. You have to go to the head of the trustees who are the bosses. Of the presidents, and you have to talk about how you knew his daddy and we all work <laughs> together and whatnot. And after you finish talking, and you listen to him tell you how important he thinks it is, and he'll bring and call McCall, you start getting this train ready to help or to hurt somebody. But you don't do these things without the chairman of the board of trustees. And so when you come to the community. And find that ain't that many of us left, Hazel. We have to bring together what we got. I mean, the dynasty of the Dickens family is in one person, where's Inez again? And so, we had the Pattersons, the Suttons, we had the Wrangles, but right now, we have us. I just hope that all of you truly understand that taking away someone's self-esteem is difficult to rebuild. But I can't think of any reason why young people are willing to prepare for death, to kill each other, to have a complete disregard for where they're going to be when they're 15, 20, and 25 years old. Somebody did something to poison the water against us, and that water is still poison. But the only antidote. That I've been able to see that really works is that key called education. And that is in our head. So, to all of you that can, when we had the empowerment zone, it was easy to bring the billions of dollars in, but it was people like you that knew how. We had to make it work. And now this is really Lonnie, the beginning of what we have to do. It's going to be so exciting. It's going to be exciting because they need us. I mean, I really like Biden. But there was nothing in any books that told me That this was going to be the most exciting president that we ever had. Biden needs us. The governor needs us. The mayor needs us. The country needs us. And I damn it, we can do it. It's going to be exciting. And it's going to be when you started talking, and I'm ending on this the marble halls of City College. Think about it. Where else did these folks get this idea of big marble walls? <laughs> Cathedrals. Your behind has got to die in order to be able to find out what's going on. This is the only place in town <laughs> that you can be around the marbles there and you can be there to build on this, to make certain when they talk about America, you know, damn well they're they talking about you. Thank you for coming out. Let this be the beginning. And Michelle said, let me thank you for bringing us this far. And, um, thank you so much.
2: As we close with a few important remarks uh, from our president, if you did not know why you came out tonight, then with people like Jackie Rowe Adams and Harlem Mothers and Fathers Save, uh, the Jackie Stand Up, uh, fighting for the parents and aunts and uncles of young people who were taken away too soon by gun violence. I would suggest that somewhere along the line, you remember you were here tonight. I would suggest that you find a way of capturing in your mind the words for Congressman wrangle, because at some point you saw he took it somewhere else. He took it home. And let me now say back to uh, the students from West Point, stand back up. Stand back up. I hope you know now why you were here tonight. We didn't know what was going to happen. It was organic. But you are the ones to carry this message forward, no matter where you go, no matter where you come from, you are to carry this message forward. And you are going to be our communicators and thank you for being with us. Take the message. And thank you, Vince Boudreau, for whatever we hoped for and believed in and Hazel and Inez and I thought about, you have been much more than even that. And so without further ado, President Boudreaux.
1: Well, we started something here. We're going to finish it. You know, we told the story of the beginning of this. I talked about Congressman Rangel talking to me about this dream. He had this vision of an infrastructure project. And um, Congressman Espiat wisely recognized the initial generous investment that the city university made in this project at a time when, institutionally speaking, we didn't have two nickels to rub together, but they found $400,000 to get us started. But it was at that moment that Congressman Espiat decided that this project was also going to be his project. And if you know how tenacious he can be, he was asking us how many students we already educated when we were looking for the first group. But he pushed this project. He pushed me. He joined with Congressman Wrangel to, to make sure this happened. I got to tell you. I watched these two gentlemen in a coffee shop in Harlem work over the new governor of New York State to make sure that she was going to match Congressman Rangel's investment from the federal government in this project. And so I want to acknowledge the fact that we have had strong, strong backing um, from our political leadership, and Congressman Espiot is here with a little token of that contribution, please come up. My friends, please all come on up, because this a big check needs a big background. This is not going to be the last one. This is a a token,
3: Congressman Rangel, of your vision, for your vision, your commitment of many years for this community. And this is also our commitment for you, uh, ensuring that this project continues to go forward. Thank you, President Baudreau. City College and all the electors, uh, and uh, I'll be calling you during budget season and so uh, to make sure that we make this a model for the the world for the world where young people will be able to remember this prevailing wage jobs yeah. Yeah. right thank you so much
1: this is for you congressman Well, I just don't have almost anything else to say. It has been an honor to fill this room with praise for our beloved congressman, to launch this important initiative, to thank all the people that contributed to this effort, and to thank each and every one of you that have been here tonight. I would be remiss if I didn't thank my fantastic staff, Didi Mozaleski, Tiffany Burt, Anna Maria Viliasin, Edson uh, Admaya, and all the folks that made this this possible. And can we hear one more time for John Junaitis, the filmmaker who made that incredible film? Thank you, John. So we've gotten it started. We've got great support. The nation has never needed a project like this more. Don't forget what we started. We've all got a role to play in making this successful, and I will knock on your door, believe me. Thank you, everybody.
0: Thank you for listening to From City to the World. Um, One of the things that you heard reference to in the audio is a short film that was made by the filmmaker John Genitis, which was a, a central part of the presentation on April 14th. And even though you're listening to this Uh, after that date. We'd like to make the film available to you. So if you uh, go to our website um, at ccny.cuny.edu and search for From City to the World, you'll find this episode of the podcast along with a link to that film. Special thanks to people who coordinated the event on uh, April 14th. That includes uh, Didi Mozaleski and Tiffany Burt at CCNY. We had a lot of help from the Harlem Chamber of Commerce. I especially want to shout out uh, Bob Tate, um, but really the whole executive board of the Greater Harlem Chamber of Commerce showed up on that night. As I mentioned earlier, we had a tremendous video in the middle of the event, and, and the producer, director, and conceptualizer of that was John Genitis. He also worked with Daria Skokiamaro and a whole crew working at Axios, uh, and they're, they're a family to us at this point. This is the fourth, or I guess the fifth film they've done for CCNY and did a tremendous job in putting this video together. I'm your host, Vince Boudreaux. Thanks everybody.